0: Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, as was said, uh, we're going to take the exhortation from the life of Samuel this morning. And uh, when I when I first started looking around for information for this exhortation, I didn't expect to find a lot of information on Samuel, because when we cover Samuel in Sunday school, what we generally look at is his his birth and his childhood in the temple. And then later on, we only see him in the context of other people's lives, in the life of Samuel, or in the life of, of uh, Saul and in the life of David, and what he does in those people's lives, and not really look at the man Samuel himself as he grows and as he educates the people in God's truth. And really, what I'd like to look at today is really a, a high-level overview of the character of Samuel and what he's able to accomplish in God's ecclesia. In, this, in, this, in, a, in a time of really great transformation of the nation. Because what God is going to do is he's going to use Samuel to bring the nation of Israel from its lowest end in the time of Judges, both spiritually and politically, to the beginning of possibly its greatest era under David and Solomon, where the nation is going to reach its greatest expanse, both uh, as, as a nation and under spiritual leadership. And really under Samuel's leadership, the people will begin to repent as individuals. He gets the people to put away their idols and he changes the priesthood and educates the people so that the sacrifices will cease to be a ritual and they take on real meaning. And when we look at Samuel, um, I wasn't sure when I first started looking where Samuel really fit in to the book of Judges because we have uh, we have Judges and then Ruth and then Samuel. So it, it would seem logically that he comes after both. But really, he comes right on the heels of Samson. He comes right on, the, on that time in Judges 13 when the Philistines uh, have been sent against the people because it says in Judges 13 verse 1 that the sons of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord so that the Lord gave them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. And what God does is he sends them Samson He's going to be a Nazarite from God, or Nazarite to God from the womb, and he's going to begin to deliver Israel from the hands of the Philistines. And what happens is after after Samson is gone, that that Samuel really completes that deliverance, Um, but only after the people had repented of the wickedness that had caused the Philistines to be there in the first place. And what he does is he breaks the the cycle of sin, suffering, supplication, and salvation that we've read about so much in Judges over, over the past few weeks. And um, the people will really learn to acknowledge their sins without the need of a Gentile oppressor. And the people will willingly choose to return to God. This, this is like a, a major change in the way that God is dealing with his people from the book of Judges as they transition into the time of the kings and the prophets. He's going to take the, the nation from a time when everyone did what was right in their own eyes, when there was no king in Israel, to a time when the nation is prepared for David. And it's not just that there was no person to be king in Israel, but that the nation didn't put God as king in their lives. God did not reign in their hearts. And we read about this in the last five chapters of Judges, that that appendix that seems designed to show us what happens to a community that is unwilling to put God first in their lives. And really what you see in Israel in the time of Judges is that they were a divided community. They were caught up in their tribal pride. We saw this when Ephraim was unwilling to join Jephthah to fight against the Ammonites, but they are sure willing to fight Jephthah later to, to get their spoils of war and their honor. And we see it again when the people of Benjamin are, are unwilling to condemn a blatant act of ungodliness in their midst and instead fight against their brethren to defend it. And it costs 24 thousand lives nearly wiping out the tribe of Benjamin and we ourselves know how this goes because we only have four ecclesias in the Detroit area and look at how hard it is to get everyone to work together to do outreach or to coordinate even a, a common sunday school entertainment imagine how hard it is to have 12 ecclesias that are each divided by by families and have fierce familial loyalties Imagine how difficult it would be to get these people to work together, to unite as one nation, and to do the work of God. But Samuel works at this as well, and he unites the nations as best as he can. And um, what he does then is he really prepares the nation for David to be united under David for a time at least, which allows David to establish the holy nation that God speaks about in Exodus 19 when, uh, when God tells Moses, that if if the people indeed obey his voice and keep his covenant, then they shall be my own possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine, says God, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And that was what what David was going to be able to set up because of the the foundation work of Samuel. And Samuel is able to do this because he never asked the people to do something that he hasn't done himself. He really leads by example, by his own character. And he loves the people and he devotes his life to the people so much that when after 60 years of faithful service, when the people reject him, what does he do? He doesn't, he doesn't give up on the people, but he goes on faithfully serving his God and serving his people. Because as we read this morning, when his mother Hannah said that he was going to be devoted, given to God for his entire life, he really did it, and he really loved his God, and he really loved his people, and he served them willingly. He does everything that he can for the people. He even works with Saul after he sees that Saul is not the man to be a spiritual leader for for the people. And at at uh, when the people reject him and and try and uh, choose a king, uh, Samuel Samuel stands before them in First uh, Samuel 12. 1 Samuel 12 verse 2 he says he really challenges the people when he says um, now here is the king walking before you but I am old and gray behold my sons are with you and I have walked with you from my youth even to this day here I am bear witness against me before the Lord and his anointed whose ox have I taken or whose donkey have I taken or whom have I defrauded Whom have I oppressed? Or from whose hand have I taken a a bribe to blind my eyes with? I'll restore it to you. And the people are are forced to answer and say that you have not defrauded us or oppressed us or taken anything from any man's hand. And his his entire life was devoted to these people. And he was able to to really reach these people because of this, because he, he always put them before himself. And can you imagine a leader in our community able to stand up before everyone that he served his entire life, and nobody can recall a situation where that leader has put themselves ahead of the people that they serve. And it's not like Samuel is is bragging about his accomplishments here. What he's really doing is he's asking the people to see if he's deceived them in anything. And when they say no, he tells them he's not deceiving them in the matter of choosing a king either. And he's able to use this to really reach the people. He gets the people to acknowledge that even though God is giving them what they want, choosing a king before God is a mistake. And the people do partly respond to what Samuel has to say. And um, This isn't to say that that Samuel never made a mistake, that he he never sinned, but the Bible doesn't really record um, a, a sin of Samuel. And what it does is it draws attention to the kind of man that he is, the kind of character that he is, It brings out the lesson that when faithful people are in extreme trials, they can maintain their personal integrity as well as their trust in God and having faith that God is going to bring them through these trials. We really see that in the life of Samuel. When things are not going well, when things are not going the way that he planned, he maintains his trust in God. and He realizes that God is working in his life and in the life of the people and he relies on God to bring them through. And we'll see um, when we do these readings that the days of Samuel are really similar to our own time. It's a time when the community is exposed to terrible ungodliness and wickedness. And yet God is able to save people out of these conditions. God is able to save us out of the wicked world that we're in. We can overcome the world, but only by surrendering our life to God in complete reliance on his strength to save and And this, that's really what we're going to see in the character of Samuel as we do these readings. And I hope that um, that when we do the readings, we can look at, at, at Samuel as a character himself, because when I've always looked at Samuel, I look at him as as somebody in the background of other people's lives of, of David and of uh, Saul. But really Samuel is is many things to the people. And he's, he comes in this in this transition time between the period of the judges and the times of the kings and the prophets. What you find out about Samuel, is that he takes on uh, many roles in the Ecclesia. He's got a lot of hats. And uh, one of the things that he does is that he's a prophet for the people. Um, you look in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 19. It says in, verse, in 1 Samuel 3, verse 19, Thus Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fail. All Israel from Dan even to Beersheba knew that Samuel was confirmed as a prophet of the Lord. And this is really going to be a key in the life of Samuel that that God was not going to let any of his words fail. And this was the method that God was going to use when he used Samuel to reach the people. And it's, it's not that he was a great that he used great and terrible miracles or droughts like with Elijah but it was through the spoken word that came true through God, and everything that Samuel spoke came to pass. Uh, his name means "heard of God," because he was the answer to Hannah's prayer. But it also fits very well in the way that God used him to reach the people, because what God, what God, or uh, what Samuel spoke, God heard. And um, you don't know, have to turn this up, but over in Acts three, verse twenty-four, um, it mentions that. Um, it says, likewise, all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and his successors onward also announce these days. And really what you get is that um, when Peter is laying out the, the time of the prophets, he starts with Samuel and all those that come afterwards. So really he's he's considered the first prophet to the people. Um, he's he's also a priest for the people. And this is interesting because he didn't come from the tribe of Levi as we saw this morning, his father was an Ephraimite, but God chose him out and set him apart to be a, a priest for His people. And he, he took on the priestly roles because uh, the priesthood was broken at this time. We saw this with Eli and his sons. But uh, you can, you can, when we're doing the readings, you can follow through and see some of the, the priestly things that that Samuel does. One of those things comes up in chapter nine, verses twelve through thirteen when um When Saul is looking for his donkeys, uh, he, he meets some girls along the road, and they tell him that uh, to, to find Samuel, they say to him, he is see, he is ahead of you. Hurry now, for he has come into the city today for the people have sacrificed on the high places today. And as soon as you enter the city, you'll find him before he goes up to the high place to eat, for the people will not eat until he comes, because he must bless the sacrifice." And afterward, those who are invited will eat. And uh, Samuel took on some of these, these priestly roles because the priesthood was so broken in his time. You'll see as well that he's, he's considered a judge, the last of the judges. And he's not the kind of judge that we're used to that would go out and lead people in battle, but he may have been more like the, the Deborah style of judge um, that, that people would have come to to uh, decide things, decide uh, disputes among them. But really, you look at what he accomplished with the people as a judge. Look in chapter 7 of 1 Samuel, verses 3 through 6. And Samuel says to the people, he says, If you return to the Lord with all your heart, remove the foreign gods and the Asherah from among you, and direct your hearts to the Lord and serve him alone, he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines." And the sons of Israel removed the bales and the Asherahs and served the Lord alone. And then Samuel says, Gather all Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray for the Lord for you. And they gathered to Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord and fasted on that day and said, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the sons of Israel at Mizpah. And so what we get is that Samuel is really able to reach the hearts of these people, he's able to change the hearts of these people and get them to confess their sins against the Lord. And um, and, in that way, he is a judge before the sons of Israel. And uh, also, Samuel considers himself a judge uh, when in 1 Samuel 12, when he's listing off the things that God did for the people as their king, Uh, He mentions himself uh, among the judges in verse 11 of chapter 12 when he says, The Lord sent Jeroboam, that's Gideon, you'll remember, and Beden and Jephthah and Samuel and delivered you from the hands of your enemies all around so that you lived in security. So he considered himself a judge as well. He was also a teacher because uh, in his ministry Samuel is able to educate the people in the law. And this is evidenced by um, when Saul is seeking after his donkeys, when we just looked at it, that the, the, the girls on the road that he met were able to, to tell him about the sacrifices and they knew what was going on with the sacrifices and how they were done and the, the actual procedure because they had been taught it. And in chapter 8, in a, in a sadly ironic twist, Samuel had taught the people so well that they would not accept ungodly leaders before them, even Samuel's own sons. And um, another thing that he did in, in his teachings is that he set up a school of the prophets for the people. And this would be something that had a far-lasting effect. You see evidence of this in, uh, in chapter 19 and verse 20 of Samuel, or 1 Samuel, when it says uh, that Saul sent messengers to take David. But when they saw the company of the prophets prophesying, with Samuel standing and presiding over them, the Spirit of God came upon the messenger of Saul and they also prophesied. And it comes up in uh, chapter 10, verses 5 through 6 as well, evidence of these, these groups of prophets that were led by Samuel. So he sets up this school of the prophets that would last until at least until the time of Elijah and Elisha and it really shows how important it is when we see a need in our ecclesia to really invest time and effort into filling that need because it is worth it. It can have a lasting effect. If we see something that needs doing in the Ecclesia, then do it. Don't complain about it not getting done, but get the ball rolling and enlist people to help you get it done. Now, things like, like painting and seminars and vacation Bible schools, they don't get done just by being a good idea. They need people to get behind it, to invest and to devote their time and effort and even money into getting it done. You don't have to do all three. Uh, you can just give what you have. If you have, uh, if if you're a young person, and you don't have a lot of money, but you have a lot of time, then then give your time and your effort. Um, and if if you work a lot and you have more money than time, then uh, we saw that board downstairs where you can you can buy things that the Vacation Bible needs. And anything that you can do to get things done in the Ecclesia is great because it has it can have a lasting positive effect on the community that can last for generations. Samuel was also a scribe. He recorded the history of the people while he was alive. And uh, you see in First Chronicles 29, verse 29, uh, when you get a summary of, of the Acts of David, it says that the Acts of King David from first to last are written in the Chronicles of Samuel the seer, in the Chronicles of Nathan the prophet, and the Chronicles of Gad the seer. So he wrote down as much as he could of the life of David because he, he realized it was important. He wanted to make sure that the people knew that here was a man after God's own heart and how wonderfully God had worked in David's life. So while Samuel was alive and he could witness the the acts of of God in David's life, he wrote them down so that the people would know that here was a man after God's own heart. Uh, He's also a mediator for the people. Several times he appeals to God on behalf of the people. And in, in Jeremiah, when Jeremiah is, is praying on behalf of the people, trying to get God to, to not take the people out of the land, in Jeremiah 14, God tells uh, Jeremiah, do not pray for the welfare of this people because the people are so bad that God is, is convinced that they, he could not spare them, that he needed to remove the people from the land so that he can start over with a remnant and get those wicked people out of there. Um, and in, in Jeremiah 15, verse 1, God says that even though Moses and Samuel were to stand before me, my heart would not be with this people. Send them away from my presence and let them go. So even Moses and Samuel would not be able to convince God to save these people. And what you get out of that is that God considers Samuel to be a, medi- a mediator comparable to Moses. And uh, you see this also in in Psalm 99. If you look at... a uh, Psalm 99, verse 1. See, it says that the Lord reigns, let the peoples tremble. He is enthroned above the cherubim, let the earth shake. So in the context of God on the mercy seat, you get down in verse 6 that Moses and Aaron were among his priests, and Samuel was among those who called on his name. They called upon the Lord, and he answered them. And really that's what, what Samuel did is he mediated as a priest. He was one of those that prayed to God to forgive the sins of the people and God answers them. Um, you see in the, the incidents that we looked at a little bit when uh, the people repent before the Philistines are about to come, come really and uh, wipe them out. It says in 1 Samuel 7 verse 8 that the sons of Israel say to Samuel do not cease to cry to the Lord our God for us that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines and Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it for a whole burnt offering to the Lord and Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel and the Lord answered him so the Lord answers him the Lord hears him and uh, he he saves the people and later on when the people ask for a king and when when Samuel appeals to these people to realize that what they're doing is a mistake um, the, the people hear him and what the people do is they say to Samuel in chapter 12 verse 19 they say pray for your servants to the Lord your God so that we may not die for we have added to all our sins this evil by asking for ourselves a king and Samuel says to the people do not fear you have committed all this evil yet do not turn aside from following the Lord but serve the Lord with all your heart you must not turn aside for then you would go after futile things which cannot profit or deliver because they are futile the Lord will not abandon his people on account of his great name, because the Lord has been pleased to make you a people for himself. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. But I will instruct you in the good and right way. And is this, is this the love that we have for our brethren, that we would never even consider ceasing to pray for them? Even though the people are rejecting him, he would never even think about purposefully not asking God to be with them or to help them. Is this the attitude that we have when we disagree with our brethren, that we would never sin against God by ceasing to pray for our brethren? See, this is how Samuel got his title as a mediator, not because it was decided at birth that he would be one, because every day he showed his love for the people, that that even though they may not deserve it, he asked God's blessing on them, and he's constantly seeking God's forgiveness for these people. And Samuel is a living example of answered prayer. And from his birth being the answer to Hannah's prayer to the many examples where God answered Samuel's own prayer to forgive and to deliver the people. And I think, it's, I think it's important for us to notice that this relationship that Samuel had with God went both ways as it should for us. He wasn't just heard of God, as his name means, in that God answered his prayers, but he heard and obeyed what God had to tell him even from a young age. And you uh, remember from our Sunday school lessons that when when God called on Samuel at a young age in the tabernacle, that Samuel listens and he hears. And in 1 Samuel 3 verse 10, when uh, the Lord came and stood and called us as the other times, the last time, He says, Samuel, Samuel, and Samuel says, Speak, for your servant is listening. He didn't just hear, but he obeyed. And it was a wonderful relationship that Samuel had with his heavenly Father. That when Samuel spoke, God didn't let a word fall to the ground, and when God spoke through Samuel. Samuel faithfully obeyed. And this is this became the reason that Israel knew that God was working through him, and the reason that he was so effective in God's ecclesia. It wasn't just because he was like a, a strong man like Samson, or he went out and killed 900 men with an ox code. It was because it was clear that in every aspect of his life, he was honestly obedient to his heavenly Father. And... uh We'll, we'll see that there's, uh, I'm sure that you, you know, there's many things that, that Samuel shares in common with uh, Jesus being a type of Christ and that both were born to mothers that had close relationships with God and it's no coincidence then that, that Mary in her prayer falls heavily or uh, pulls heavily on Hannah's prayer because they were of the same mind. They were, they were, they were close with God. And they were both children of promise and their births were impossible without the power of God at work. And they were both dedicated to God, Nazarites from the womb, and both having a, a significant event in the house. Of, uh, both had a significant event in the house of God that revealed that they would greatly surpass the religious elders of that day. And they were both raised under the loving hand of God, having Him personally involved in their upbringing. And they, um, the words used to, de- to describe Christ's development are uh, pulled from the words that describe the development of Samuel that he was growing in stature and favor with God and men. And both devoted themselves to the same goal of the people and were both heard of God in this manner. And while Jesus did no sin, the record reveals no recorded sin of Samuel. So it's it's pretty clear that Samuel is a type of Christ. And why is that important? Is it so we can make a, a chart that lists the similarities between Samuel and Christ? Um, well, that's, that's good, but what's important is that it shows us that it's possible to live a Christ-like life even when the world around us is given to sin. But it's only through having a close relationship and remaining dedicated to our Heavenly Father that, uh, where we hear and are heard of God that this is possible. And that's, that's really one of the great lessons out of the life of Samuel is that he is able to do this, to, to remain as a, a Christ-like example in this difficult time. I know that was a, a really brief overview of Samuel, but I hope it gets you at least interested in looking at the character of, of Samuel as we're reading through his life in the readings. And don't just look at him like I did for a long time as just a, another character in the life of Saul or David, but as a, a great mediator, a great example of faith. Uh, for the people before him that really had a, a lasting effect on the nation. Um, he's really a, a monumental example of how we should be living, with our relationship with our brothers and sisters, how he put their needs before his own. And he never ceased to pray for them, getting involved in the ecclesia and ecclesial life, and uh, always obedient to his word, uh, to the word of God, having faith that God would be able to bring him through any situation. And finally, he was a type of Christ, showing us that it is possible to show the character of Christ in an ungodly world, but only through the consistent communication with our Father, and constant repentance, seeking forgiveness through our teacher, our high priest, our judge, and our mediator, who is greater than Moses and Samuel, our Lord Jesus Christ.